Can you hold off on last week just to, if anyone has any questions for this week? Okay, here we go, folks. Questions, questions on this morning and judging. Questions on the, any questions from the, yes, Elsa's got one. Here comes, wait for the microphone, Elsa. You got to play by the rules, Elsa. No exceptions for South Afrikaans. Okay, is it on? Apparently. Is it on? Speak right into that thing. It is on, it is on. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I put, put, put it right, right up there. You don't need right to pull away. There. Right up okay. on it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, I have a question on, like, we shouldn't judge the world, right? Uh-huh. But then how do we, what are we going to do in November when we vote? Well, that's part of what I was using. If you And I missed oh. the last 15. Oh. No, I'm thinking more at the problem. beginning. I tried to limit. There's a sense in which we do judgments all the time. And voting is one of the, we use judgment, discernment. But you're not rendering a verdict. You're, you're, you're casting a ballot. You're picking the person you want to pick. There's a sense in which every time you're looking at the vegetables in the supermarket, you're, you're rendering verdicts. You're casting a judgment. There's a sense, right? Um, that's part of what I was starting at the beginning saying, both in English and in Greek, judge has a broad range of meanings. I think Jesus is only speaking to a narrower use of it, which I define as to render a verdict against another apart from the precepts of Scripture. I wouldn't call voting as doing that. I, does, does that make sense? No, she's, oh, she's, oh, no, no. Elsa's no. not satisfied with that. No, Bring I'm it. not. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking when you look at the candidates, whoever yes. they are, you yes. have to judge them. Yes. Right? To see what they believe. Just like vegetables in the supermarket. No, you can't compare the president to vegetables. Oh, I'm pretty sure with our candidates now I can. (laughs) 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 That that was slow and over the plate, man. That was too easy. That was too easy. Yes. Go. Sorry. So if you you judge them according to what they believe... Would, does that does that become a conscience issue more than judging? Can I vote for this guy? Oh, you want to go there? Okay. Um, no, this I'm is gonna... a problem for Christians yes. voting. A lot yes. of people are, are struggling with that. You know, can you vote for somebody because they are of the world? They're not Christians. You can't sure. expect them to behave like a Christian. I am gonna. I'm going to cede only five minutes to this. We will not go longer than five or I'll punt. If this becomes something we need to really do, we can even do like a message on that. No, I'll, I'll try to answer. At the end of the day, I, I do think there are clearly biblical principles. At the end of the day, I don't think you're going to be able to rebuke somebody or discipline somebody for voting for a particular candidate. I mean, unless they just, you know, you got to get back to motives. Um, the Bible forbids us from claiming evil what is good and good what is evil, okay? So woe to those who call evil good and good evil. There's a sense in which when you vote for somebody, you better be prepared to stand before God and account for that, okay? Um, There's also a sense in which we need to do what's right in the sight of all men as much as we can, which means we ought to, if we're able, vote. Um, it's, 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 It's part of the responsibilities. Our government's calling on us, asking us to vote, regularly saying they wish more people would vote. Part of being submissive to our government is voting. Um, when we vote, we ought to vote for righteousness. Now, what gets difficult and tricky, and I know the arguments on both sides, is, is it better to vote where your vote will do the most good, even if that's the lesser of two evils? Or is it better to vote for who you most like, even if they don't have statistically a shot of winning? And I've heard strong arguments on both sides. Um, I, 
I tend to think towards the second view. It, it, it only has a benefit in the long term. It has no immediate benefit. If, I would think if consistently 15% of the vote comes in for somebody who has no chance, eventually people will start having to take that into consideration and taking that into account. It'll have no immediate effect whatsoever. But that's just where I tend to land. Um, if I liked some of the politicians more, I might consider that. But none of the main candidates are anyone I want to get behind. But that's a conscious issue. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to, I don't want to um, influence or force anyone to do anything. I mean, I just sort of feel like they're asking me, "Do I want to vote for Dagon or Ashtaroth?" You know, and I'm saying <laughs> no. Um, but that's that's my no. I mean, who do you want more? Well, Dagon's not as bad as Ashtaroth. Well, mm. now that's my sorry. That's kind of that's kind of snarky, but that, that's my reading of the field. I know there are plenty of good people who disagree with me. Oh. Wendell. But is that oh <coughs> hello hello. Hey, I like the three bulletin. people just scratched their but, cars. <laughs> but is that judgment or discernment? Well, I think that's the that's the discernment. I don't think it's judgment. Well, that Jesus yeah, because saying, we can't. To, yeah, and even to try to judge, yeah. all we know is what. Obviously, we can see what they've done in the past. As, as some things are fact, but most of what we know is given to us by the media, and any, anybody. To I mean, and statistics, uh, unless you really go overboard on, on research, and even then, yeah. you're getting yeah. you know, some biased information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th I think Scripture is clear yeah. on what we, types of people we should vote for, but even at that, yeah. at best, we're yeah. going on hearsay. So yeah, yeah. I would well, say that, it's well, more of a... Well, that's the other difficulty with, with politics being so, so entertainment-driven. The, just a simple question, is the persona they're projecting an accurate representation of themselves? That's a whole other question. Can you really have any realistic expectations of actually accessing the real person and getting past their PR and persona? That, that's a whole other challenge right there. I mean, uh, that, that makes things difficult as well. Um, it's, 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 oh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any clear, clear answers. Um, I got principles and I've got, Thoughts, and you know, I'd be happy to talk to anyone who wants to, but I don't think there's a clear Christians need to vote for. But let me let me say this. Here's the question to think um, that I question in regards to this is before a person opens up their mouth and says President Obama is a fill in your judgmental statement. On what authority? Who made you his judge? Um, and how how is that an appropriate judgment to render? And then people say, oh, but it's true, irregardless. How is speaking that word to somebody else a legitimate exercise? Like, what ministry has God given you that requires this judgment to be made and communicated? Discernment can recognize things. Oh, this person does or doesn't appear to keep their word. This person does or does not appear to have integrity. But speaking and communicating that judgment, you got to get back to Ephesians 4.20. How is this necessary? How is this giving grace to those who hear? Who made me this man's judge? That, that, those types of questions. Now, Jacob Moore has an answer to that question. Microphone, please. And we're nearing our five-minute allotted time. Okay. What? Oh, cool. Okay. So I'm just uh, trying to figure out what you mean by your definition yes. here. Jesus forbids us from declaring verdicts against others apart from... Rendering. Rendering. Rendering, sorry. So um, can we... This makes it sound like... I can judge others as long as I'm judging them according to biblical principles. Yes. So it would be okay then to judge people in the world saying that they're 
what they're doing is unrighteous or ungodly? No, no, no. You're, you're narrowing to finding. The reason why I said according to biblical the precepts of scriptures, precepts are more than simply the measuring stick. It's who to measure. This is why the points go through jurisdiction, standard, and heart motive. So if you're judging outside of a biblically prescribed jurisdiction, you're not judging biblically. Even if they're breaking part of God's law. If they're not your business to judge, oh, you're okay. judging not according to the precepts of Scripture. That, okay, that's why I, I chose precepts as accords to like God's law. Because precepts would include not just the what, but the who. And the how. Does okay. that, does, you get what I, that's what I'm trying to grab. I'm yeah. trying to grab all three of my points with precepts. Okay. Got I might do, be doing it weekly, but that's what I'm attempting to do there with that definition. Does that help? Yes, thank you. Okay, our five... Well, wait, we're, we're off... Paul, Ron Ludwig's got something to... Ask. Here we go. Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Um, I can't resist when you uh, mention President Obama. Yes, um, sir. Honor the emperor. On, I understand, but you also are able to use historical data to. Oh, sure. Um, for example, yeah. Um, I I'm tend to be outspoken at times concerning for you know the. The gay marriage and sure. or some of those. Sure. And when I talk with, I, I, I belong to a state organization yeah. that um, I'm the only Christian member. And yeah. so um, I will point out, based upon historical data, yeah. his behavior as being um, immoral and so forth. Sure. Um, my biggest challenge is not being snarky. and Sure. But I think, and I think we got to be careful in how we disagree. Like, I've got no problem. Let's just speak to his most recent directive to the public schools and bathrooms. Now, that's something he's giving out a command issued or a, an injunction, an exhortation given to the public schools and therefore to the local communities. And I feel fine evaluating that and saying I think it's, I think it's both against what is right biblically. I also think it's against human flourishing, and I don't think it's going to help the community. And I don't think I've judged him by evaluating this measurement, this thing that's to come out into the public. I don't think I've just sat in judgment on him. He put this thing out into the ether, into people. He's, he's asking the, the, the people to comply. And then we in our communities have got, okay, is this something we can do in faith or not? So I'm fine saying that. I'm fine with someone saying, you know, I, most of someone's, any politician, politician X, I find that I strongly disagree with most of his policies. I don't think you've just judged that person. It's when you start speaking of them, at least as I'm narrowly defining this, so-and-so is a liar, so-and-so is a crook, so-and-so is stupid. You know, you're, these, these are judgments, verdicts that you're rendering and delivering. And my question is, before you do that, by what authority and how is this helping anybody? That, that, those are the questions that I'm trying to ask, answer and get at. So I don't think that means you can never disagree with someone. That's the world's standard of judgment. If I disagree with you, I've judged you. we got to have a room for... I'm not judging you, and I think you're wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to have a category for that that isn't judging. Um, does, does that? So I'm not saying we must agree with everything they say and only speak kindly of them, and only yes. I'm not yeah. saying that at all. Yeah, I, I agree. What I try and do is keep track of historical behavior sure. of individuals and just yeah. use that as a means to demonstrate yeah. why I disagree or. Oh, sure demonstrate his behavior a ab absolutely absolutely yes 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 there was there was just one part that i wanted to ask you about yeah. on your on your thoughts because i thought you know 
mm-hmm. it's a tightrope to walk. <laughs> I I know, and yeah. um, and you said that about the the thought of voting with your conscience, and yeah, you know, this guy might just get fifteen yeah. percent of the vote, but you yeah. got to keep the long game in mind. The thing that makes me nervous about this election and a lot of elections sure. is we have the justices. Yeah. In, you know, Scalia died. He was a conservative. Sure. Um, and he, you know, so there's a lot at stake there. So I know, you know, that one guy was married five times and the other one is, I mean, <laughs> but, but anyway, I mean, I feel like the what's at stake there yeah. with with the courts and we've seen how they've ruled with with this guy in charge. Sure. It just kind of that that's the only part that gives me pause in in the long game. But sure. I know I know what you're saying in the long game. What what I'm saying oh here's what I'm saying is that these issues and these principles, I know that cogent, legitimate sounding, like people aren't holding on to wicked things, arguments can be made. I say this falls under issues of conscience where we shouldn't render a judgment. If someone wants, what's your opinion? But offer it. But to go around, you need to not vote for the law. You need to do this or vice versa is, I think, illegitimate. That um, unless you're convinced voting for or not voting for candidate X is a biblical mandate, and there have been some pastors have come out and said that, and they're welcome to defend their case. I'm not persuaded. We need to not impose it on other people. I'm saying all I'm saying is I've heard the arguments and they're not stupid. They're not. That's ridiculous. You may find one argument more compelling than another. You're saying the weight of what hangs in the balance in this election makes the long game less attractive or less. You you may well be right. I'm just saying. I'm not going to sit in judgment on the person that says no. Nevertheless, I'm going to I'm going to vote for the long game. That and and if you're going to sit in judgment on them, we'd better be able to bring the rebuke and ultimately bring them before the church and this person, you know, whatever. So I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm trying to leave my opinions out as no, much as I, I can. I, I understand. Um, you get, you yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no, no. And I'm not saying there isn't a wiser and it isn't even useful discussion. It just gets back to. Um, if people are inviting the discussion, great. Otherwise, I'd get back to Paul in Romans 14 and keep it to yourself. Um, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying it to us. Sure. You know, um, says I've I've heard people vocally on both sides of the argument of you know we need to vote for this guy or no we need to you know. Um, so yeah, yeah. Any other? No, that, there's truth to what you're saying. The things every year, but this year in particular, it does seem like a lot hangs in the balance for sure, for sure. And now a medical opinion. Oh, sorry, you took the mic. You took the mic back because I see. Okay, okay. Uh, any other? Seriously? No. Oh, oh, Kathy Hardy. We got to wait for the mic, Kathy. We're back. We're on the message. We're done with politics. We've closed the door on politics. The time limits up. All right. I had a question about. You know, like when you have a situation in your extended family, yeah, and um, like we we've, we've been dealing with this with my brother for years, yeah, and, and so he, you know, he believes he's a Christian, but yeah, um, you know, you you don't see the fruit, and yeah. and he's, you know, has a girlfriend that he's living with, and then they're going to get married. So when he called me to tell me that, I said, "Good, you need to get married," you know. Yeah. But um, one of my sisters is doesn't think he should. You know, she thinks, I think she's holding him to a Christian standard. Mm. And so, you know, 
I, it's, it's very difficult to um, know what to do about that. Yeah. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about when you have those situations like that. That's precisely why I worded it household, not family. Mm-hmm. For starters, no, no, absolutely, okay. because um, you got family that don't live on the same continent as you, and yes, there's a sense in which you have an obligation to them, but you have a, but your real obligations to your household, to your to your the people you're living life with. Um, so that'd be my first point: is I chose household specifically for that reason, so that you don't feel like your third cousin who lives in Alaska is equally a responsibility as your wife or your son or the person who lives in your own nuclear family. Um, no, that issue of, um, go to first Corinthians five. This is tough. Um, the question of how do you deal with someone who claims to be a Christian, but you find that claim lacking credulity. Other question is, you know, like how, how do we take the stand? I mean, of course we, you know, our testimony is how we live our lives, but still in this culture, if nothing is ever said, right. it's not noticed. Right. Well, let me, let me start off answering the first one and try to get to the second question. This is, this is a good test case, as it were. So in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says something very interesting. Um, verse 11. I am now writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name brother. And I think the New American Standard translates that any so-called brother. Um, the Greek is literally anyone named a brother, which certainly means Paul is at least to some degree questioning the validity of this person's testimony. So that's, that's a rough standard because I tend to think by being named, other Christians are calling this person a brother. It's not just them. Um, but you may even just need to have a question. I, I know somebody who's done this. Now they did it. Okay. I'll, they were, uh, they were a college student. They had a roommate, professing Christian, who wasn't living like a professing Christian, and they were struggling. I said, maybe you just need to sit down and ask him, do you really want me to treat you like a Christian? They did exactly that, <laughs> which was kind of bold of them. They sat down, had some tea. Here's the question. You want me to treat you as a Christian or not? <laughs> I don't know if I'd do it that bluntly, but that may be the type of question you've got to have. Like, look, you're professing to follow Christ. Like, or even unpacking what you mean. i got a family member who says, I'm just as Christian as you are, and what they mean is, I'm just as moral and ethical. So it's not like a magic phrase, I'm a Christian. Are they really claiming to be trusting in the work of Christ? Are they really tr- claiming to be a follower of Christ? If they really are, then a case might be made. Um, well, not might be made. I think that at that point, the burden of proof is on why you shouldn't treat them like a Christian. You now, if all they mean is, yeah, I'm, I'm an American, I'm a Christian, that's, so definitions of what they mean by it matters. Having a conversation, even saying, look, if he wants to treat you like a believer, and that part of that's going to involve admonishment, instruction, um, calls to repentance, and potentially even avoidance. You, you sure that's what you want? You want us to treat you. You want all the privileges and benefits of being treated like a brother uh, or not. And there's no simple and easy way to do that, especially in a world where membership in churches is so gray and, and amorphous. You know, I mean, it's easier if it's like, no, I'm part of this body. This part of this body is affirming my faith. I'm affirming their faith. You know, you got all these people with their, you know, me and my walk with Jesus going off into the sunset. And it's just much harder to know how to treat people. So without specifics, that's tough. But I'd start by having a conversation with them um, and trying to figure that out. Does, do you want more on that, or is that enough? Or Mike, microphone. You know, in this case, um, my sister did write him a letter. 
Okay. And it was a very loving letter. And, nice. and my other sister went over the whole letter. And so then, of course, he read it to his girlfriend and because she said, you know, you're committing adultery. And um, then, uh, so then she was very upset because yeah. she was afraid that she was committing adultery. I see. And they're actually going to be married in a church. And, um, and they are starting to go to church. Weird. So okay. it's very. Are either of these people previously? It's an evangelical church. Yeah. Are either of these people previously married? Why did the charge of adultery come up? I can see immorality if they're living together. Are well, either of these people? Or, and if you don't want to, these are fan, if you don't want to give details, yeah. that's fine too. Well, see, yeah, it's it's like at the point where they, you know, got together. It was. I see. One was still married. I see. You okay. know, so but now they're. You know, that one, she's divorced now and everything. Okay. okay. But, um, but you know, and then the question has come over the years. I mean, this is not the first time he's had these, these situations. Okay. And, you know, like, do we let them stay, these people stay overnight? Our, you know, my sister's and I in our homes. If they're visiting, do we let them stay overnight? Um, you know, those kinds of things. Like, you, it's not like you want to be judgmental. But at the same time, you have matters of con your own conscience. Right. No, let, let me of, pause and say, when you're doing okay. your, this is why households, the second circle, uh -huh. like, they absolutely don't feel guilty about having standards in your own household. No, okay. absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you're not being judgmental. If, if you know, a, a couple that lives, let's just say you've got an unbelieving worldly couple. Mm-hmm. And I'm not to judge them. They're living together. That's fine. I'm not going to judge them. I'm trying to preach Christ to them. For some reason, I invite them over to my house, and I'm not comfortable with them. It's my house. And if I want to say, look, in my house, you guys are going to have separate bedrooms. I'm not going to approve of, I'm not going to facilitate fornication. Go for it. Great. You know, um, like that, it's your house. It's your household. You, you got to manage your household. And they don't need to accept, like, don't, yeah, there's no, there's no judging there any, any more than saying, you know, in my house, we're not going to get drunk. Or in my house, we're not going to watch these programs on the TV or whatever. It's your house. You know, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, don't, don't. Now, you could say it in a judgmental way by all, absolutely. But having standards in your home and what you're going to tolerate and not tolerate in your home, that's, that's perfectly reasonable. And if they don't want to ex receive your hospitality, that's, you know, it's their business. Yeah, don't, don't feel bad about having standards in your home um, at all. Uh, yeah. Yes. That, that we can talk later. That is a sticky wicket. But it sounds like there's a lot of details that that factor in. And then Ron is back there. He's got his hand up. But Linda. Okay. So in your summarization here in the little square. Mm -hmm. So I guess a frustration of mine is always kind of when people are asked, when Christians are asked questions. I always feel like the best thing to do when they say, well, what do you think about this? It's like, well, it doesn't really matter what I think. What does God's word say about right, this? Right. So because that kind of takes you out of the equation. Sure. And and again, it really doesn't matter what I think. It's what does God's word say? Right. But my frustration is always when, shall we say, prominent preachers are asked these mm -hmm. types of questions, why wouldn't that be their response as well? Why do they always start off, well, I think, because they just, it leads them into trouble. Because you someone want me to is guess usually, at the motives of No, but preachers. I'm just, I mean, you know, why wouldn't they do that? That should be their automatic response, is to say, well, God's word says. I mean, if they're a man of God, 
why shouldn't, I mean, that should be their first response is to say. Linda, in all honesty, I do not know why these men don't do this. Well, I know. I mean, I didn't really expect it, but I'm just, but shouldn't that be even what we should do yes. when someone comes to us? This gets, no, this gets like back that. to the example of my kids. If, if I tell Abner to go out and call Sophie in or tell her to stop jumping in the puddle, really what he should say is, Sophie, dad said, and he shouldn't go out pretending he's the authority. Sophie, get in here now. You know, and we are delivering the mail, right? We, we are delivering the mail of what God has said. There's a living God, and this is what he says. And so we ought to communicate whatever words we choose. That what, It's not what I think. This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. This is what God thinks. And get out of the way. You can, you can be mad at God. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. And however we communicate that, we ought to endeavor to make it clear. I mean, this is anyone who knows me, I don't. you shouldn't care what I think unless you know why I think it. And I always want to know from people, why do you think that? Where does it say that? Absolutely, we need to be. Our words need to drip scripture, and it need to point back to the book. Who cares but, what you think? But so many people get offended yeah. when you say, when you ask them, "Okay, well, what's your scripture and verse for that?" And they just go ballistic, like, "Well, how dare you ask me that? I just this is my opinion, and this right. is right because it's my opinion." Versus, right. you know, they get angry when you ask them. Like you said, why why are you thinking that? Because they can't right. back it up biblically. Well, this is this is and D. A. Carson does a. I'll, I'll post this again once every six months. I post this thing on Facebook. D. A. Carson explaining over five minutes the shift in the meaning of the word tolerance from the old tolerance to the new tolerance. I'll post that again. It's well worth listening to twenty two times. It's fantastic. Um, no, it is. But basically, under a modernist, up to even twenty years ago. We tolerated people, and we attacked ideas. But what that means is we didn't believe in censorship. We didn't believe in imprisoning people who disagreed with us. The government didn't shut down the press. We tolerate people. So unless you're arguing extremely destructive things, Carson points out, like if you're, unless you're like seriously, vociferously advocating pedophilia, you get to say what you think. Unless you're saying fire in a crowded theater, you get to say what you think. We tolerate people, but then we feel free to dissect, dismantle, refute, and contradict people's arguments. We feel completely free under that understanding of, of, um, of tolerance to, to, to shred the person's argument, but we don't punch them in the face while we do it. So you get, again, Voltaire, I vehemently disagree with what you say, and I will fight to the death for your right to say it. That's the old view of tolerance. So if you're a tolerant person, you think everyone should be able to voice their opinion. You don't want to silence people. But you can be a tolerant person, and I got 15 reasons why I think this person's wrong. You're a tolerant person. That's fine. Now, under postmodernism, what you've got is this tolerance no longer of people but ideas. So because in postmodernism, what's stressed is everyone's got their own perspective. And there's absolutely some truth to that, no, no, no doubt. But what we've given up, or at least the culture's given up, is the notion there is anything other than perspectival viewpoints. Therefore, we now tolerate ideas. And ironically, we won't tolerate people. We will silence people and hit them with hate speech laws to silence them. What's, what's really ironic is this new definition of tolerance, and Carson does a great job of unpacking this. Five minutes. It's well worth your time. He says it's both intellectually bankrupt and morally perverse. It's bankrupt because tolerance means nothing if I don't disagree with you. You don't speak of tolerating what you agree with. Christians don't speak of tolerating the Bible. 
You know, parents don't speak of tolerating their kids in that sense. To tolerate presupposes a disagreement. But if the new tolerance says, I'm neither any more right or wrong than you, I tolerate you. That, that, that's nonsense. That's gobbledygook. You only tolerate what you, tolerance presupposes a disagreement. And it's morally bankrupt because it, it, it actually proves fascist and totalitarian at the point where it most matters. How does this new tolerance treat that which most disagrees with it? It wants to silence and imprison them. So the word tolerant has radically shifted from tolerating people and attacking their ideas to tolerating all ideas and attacking the people who disagree. And it, you've got to get that shift because we'll say it, these words, their meanings change. And that's what people nowadays mean by tolerant. I watched a, uh, I watched a video and, and, and people are so indoctrinated in this, they don't know what to do. I watched a video where a guy's on a college campus. He is a white young male. He's probably in his twenties asking college students how, what they would respond if he self-identified as a 60 year old Asian woman. And they had no idea what to say because they're so terrified of being intolerant. I mean, the emperor has no clothes, and yet they're terrified of what to say. Uh, you know what I mean? And because that's the ultimate crime now is being intolerant. You know, um, someone's, no, okay. Judging. Right, yeah, judging's a hate crime. And so we got to be careful how we say things, and we got to speak wisely, because I've certainly heard Christians very poorly and very... Um, lacking clarity and lacking kindness speak about things which technically we would agree and yet the way they do it is not is not adorning the doctrine of god well it, it, it is crude or it is rude and we need to not do that and we need to not get provoked into the point where we start speaking carelessly um we, we need to make sure we don't do that we don't like i said earlier the world thinks because we disagree with them we hate them so they will then adopt that stance with us, and they'll start attacking us. And when we lose our temper and actually speak harshly back, what they're going to say is, aha, see, I knew you've hated me all along. We need to overcome evil with good and say, no, I don't hate you. I disagree with you. I think what you're doing is wrong. I love you. No, you hate me. No, 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 no. Now, if eventually we, we get annoyed, like, actually, yeah, I hate you, then, <laughs> then they've just won, right? You, you get what I'm saying? Like, they've just won. Because the, what they're saying is, you disagree with me, you hate me, you fear me, and you're oppressing me. And we got to say, no, 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 I think you're wrong. I love you. Guess what? I'm wrong on plenty of stuff too, but I think you're wrong. You hate me. The second we get down and start calling names, we're just proving them right. It's the absolute worst thing we can do. Absolute worst thing we can do. We overcome evil with good. We don't overcome evil with evil. We don't resort to their weapons. Um, we overcome evil with good. By the way, when someone says you judge not, you got to ask them if they're judging you. Um, on that point. <laughs> so you, let me get this straight. You think judging is wrong. And you shared that judgment with me because... <laughs> why did I need to hear that? Okay, five minutes. Any other questions? Simeon Olsgaard. Oh, Ron Ludwig first. Uh, I've been um, witnessing to my oldest sister since like 1980. Yeah. And since my um, reoccurrence of cancer... Um, her and I, we've be, become very close over the years anyway. She likes to say, well, my, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with you, but she's a, not a believer. And so I'm attempting to utilize that opportunity by saying, well, your prayers were, are really ineffective unless you have made a personal 
um, acceptance of Jesus as your Savior. So I'm trying, I don't want to judge her, but I want to kind of point out to her what the Bible says as far as prayers of an unbeliever. Sure. And that's, 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 and, and, and getting back to Linda's, Linda's point, um, really, and I think what you would probably want to say the most, and you may well be saying it, is the Bible makes it clear that there is only one God and there's no access to him through Jesus, and so that means any attempt through prayer or through any other means to approach God except through Jesus doesn't work. I, assuming that's what you're saying, you're not judging. You're, let me tell you what the Bible says about this, and what I believe is true. That's not judging in, in the sense that I've defined the term. Um, there's a sense in which that's using judgment, like that's what I'm saying. That's where the word gets tricky. So if we're defining it to rendering a verdict against somebody, you haven't rendered a verdict against somebody. You're, again, it doesn't mean you can't be a jerk in doing that, or I'm not saying you are. This isn't the only issue to consider in using our language and speech. This is an issue. Being kind, not being a total jerk is, is a separate issue. You can be quarrelsome or rude. So just because you're not judging doesn't mean you do everything right. But... As far as obeying Jesus' command not to judge, telling her that isn't doing that, as far as I can tell. Um, yes. Oh, no, no, no. Simeon, Simeon, weren't you next? Oh. Um, I never knew this was in the Bible. So this is First Peter 2.12. Yes. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you, as evidence, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Yes. Yeah. The day of visitation refers to the day they get saved. So the Holy Spirit can use our good conduct to convict them and ultimately bring them to salvation as they think about how Christians returned evil for kindness. I mean, kindness for evil. And how, that wouldn't be right, would it? No, okay, I got it back. Thanks, babe. Um, how, how, uh, they think of that, and they think of that, and they think of that, that on the day of the visitation of... That reference to the day of visitation, Jesus uses that when he talks about how um, Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented long ago if they'd seen the work she did on your day of visitation. It was the day Jesus showed up to town and presented himself. And so these people on the day of their visitation will praise and glorify God in response to your righteous living in the face of their accusations and opposition. And that's the hope, ultimately. It's like evangelistic submission, really. I mean, that's the exact argument in First Peter 3. Likewise, wives, submit to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not obey the word, they may be won without a word as they observe the holy conduct of their wives. Evangelistic submission. Absolutely. Evangelistically putting up with mistreatment for the sake of the gospel. It's, it starts all the way in First Peter 2, 12, and goes right through the middle of chapter 3. Um, that same logic in every instance. Um, and it's tough and it's hard to hear, but it's, it's absolutely the argument Peter's making. No, no question about it. Good observation. Simeon, probably the last question. Hit it. All right. So I've got a friend and I've gotten to the point where I don't think I should be close friends with him anymore because the friendship isn't helping me. Yes. And he claims to be a Christian. Yes. But he doesn't live like a Christian. Yes. He lives like the world. And so... How do I have the conversation with him, or at least say that my point, which is, I don't think we can be close friends anymore, meaning I can't hang out with you anymore. I can chat with you sometimes, but we can't sure. hang out because 
you claim to be something you're not, right. and it's not helping right. me. Okay, let me answer that very quickly. Go to Second Thessalonians 3. Um, here's the short version, Simeon. You'd want to sit down lovingly, minister to him first. Your first concern ought to be, and hopefully you've done this, pleading and appealing to him. He names himself of a brother. To point out clearly where he's not pursuing Christ, you're, you're bringing a righteous judgment, you're bringing a righteous standard, Here's what you're not doing. Here's what you, you know. Can I help you? You're trying to figure out: is he struggling and weak and needs help, or is he just rebellious? You're trying to figure all that stuff out, and you determine no, he's rebellious. He doesn't want to follow Christ. Let's let's assume you've done that first. Then absolutely, you don't have fellowship with him. Meaning, while he's walking in darkness and you're walking, fellowship is conditioned upon us both walking in light. First John one, if. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and his blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If you're walking in darkness, I can help you. I can get you a glass of water. I can help you move. You need medical. Like, I can help you and give you aid. What we don't have is sweet fellowship. And so 2 Thessalonians 3 comes in, verse 14. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. At a certain point, whether he's going to understand it or not, at a certain point, and, and, and without a church to go through you know, Matthew 18, I'd, I'd encourage you to be patient and long-suffering, but at a certain point, absolutely, that command is going, to bear, is going to bear down in your conscience. And I've had to do that in one or two friends, you know, and just say, look, I love you, but you don't seem to want to hear the word. You don't seem to want to submit to the word. Um, if that changes, let me know. I'll be praying for you, but I, I, we can't be hanging out with this all the time. You know, that's that has happened before in, in my life. Um, and so you just try to explain that to him. I'm really concerned for where you're at. I'm really concerned for your walk. You claim to be a fig tree and you're bearing thorns. You're not responding to the word. Um, you're unwilling to follow Christ. Brother, I'd be really good. I mean, I'd, I'd have all those conversations. You're pleading with him. You're warning him. You're for his sake. But if at a certain point it's like, hey, Simeon, can we stop talking about that and get back to whatever other thing it is you guys have in common? No, I can't. I can't. What you'll find, I think, is that when you appeal to people and plead with them to follow, people who call themselves Christians, nine times out of ten, they'll want to stop hanging out with you. Because what they're going to implicitly say is, stop talking about that. Let's talk about this sport we have in common instead, or let's talk about this other interest we have in common again. And if you keep going, at what point, if you thought someone had cancer, but it was treatable, would you stop pleading with them to go get checked out? At what point, if somebody was in a burning room asleep and half awake, would you stop shaking them awake? Oh, no, no, five more minutes. At what point would you leave them alone? You, because of the urgency of the situation, you would you would not rest. If this person has spiritual cancer and is and is building their house on sand, and you know what's going to happen when the stream rises, at what point are you going to stop pleading with them and say, "I'll just set that aside and we'll just hang out and watch this movie"? If you love them, you're not going to. Um, so, usually nine times out of ten, in my experience, they want to stop hanging out with you. But, yeah. We are, time is up. We can hit this next week. Thank you very much. And I uh, will, what? No problem. We'll start with you next week. We'll do it. We will. We will.